Hi, Dr. Sam Waldron here. The fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. Most men who need a seminary education can afford it the least, and no seminary is fully supported by student tuition and fees. We rely on the generosity of our supporters and friends. Would you give today and help us to make informed scholarship with pastoral heart affordable for the next generation of gospel ministers? Visit cbtseminary.org give to learn how you can help. Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm here once again with Pastors Lee McKinnon and Joe Wilson, and the title of this episode is Ties Between Churches. We're excited to take up this conversation because we uh, do think that it is important for churches to have ties between one another, which I think segues us into our first question. Uh, I think we'll let Pastor Joe kick it off. Pastor Joe, how important is it for a church to have good ties with other congregations and why? Uh, well, Austin, let me let me say to start with, um, may, maybe we should talk a little bit about what we mean by good, good ties. Uh, there is no necessity for any institution uh, that is more important than or that holds any authority over the local uh, church, over the body of Christ in its local manifestation. Uh, we believe that each local church is made up of converted and baptized believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. And each church is an independent and autonomous body of Christ with Christ alone as its head, not other churches, uh, not uh, some form of hierarchy. And each church then has the authority and the duty to carry out the commission of Christ uh, in evangelizing, baptizing, and teaching its own members to observe all things that have been commanded by Christ. So uh, just begin by saying that by good ties, we do not mean any such ties that violate the uh, independent autonomy of each local church. But while that is true, it does not mean uh, that it is best for the individual church, any individual church, or that it's best for the progress of the kingdom of God as a whole for any church to be isolated from other churches. I believe that the Bible and our confession teach both implicitly and explicitly the benefit of good ties and cooperation with churches. Uh, I think of the, uh, the scripture, the general concept of cooperation is summarized by the wise man in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. If I could read that, and certainly, while he's not talking about churches here, the concept certainly applies to local church cooperation and local churches having good ties with one another. He says, uh, scripture says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not 
quickly torn apart. It seems to me like there are three benefits mentioned in this passage for uh, ties, for cooperation, for a person or a church, not to try to go it alone in this world. First, there's, there's better success in labor. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And often it's by churches cooperating together that we're able to get more done for the kingdom of God and the glory of God than if we're all working individually alone. <clears throat> Furthermore, for comfort and edification, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And certainly it's good for the comfort and edification of churches that they have cooperation. And the third thing, you've got success in labor, you've got comfort and edification, and you've also got protection. If one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. And certainly churches need to be standing together and cooperating together. Um, since all true churches are purchased by Christ, share fellowship in the same gospel, are under the same headship, we should as much as, as possible work together for mutual edification and progress. And certainly that begins with prayer. Paul often tells the churches to pray for one another. Ephesians 6, 18, uh, I think our confession uses this text in this setting, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It's not all about you and your local church as valuable, as precious as that is, but we're all in this together as saints and all of the churches are in it together. You know, Paul's letters are full of this duty uh, for churches to pray for other churches, help other churches, cooperate with other churches. Does not Paul even often exhort one church to share his letter with another church? Uh, that's church cooperation. Does he not also often encourage one church to give temporal aid to another church, which may be in need. Uh, so anyway, I believe that the, the scriptures are clear uh, on uh, the value of cooperation. Uh, there's no doubt that the second London Baptist confession of faith talks about this, but I, I think I'm going to toss it to our brother Lee and uh, let him talk about that. Lee. Oh, well, well, brother, thank you much for your emphasis to begin with, you know, on uh, the church, each congregation operating directly under Christ. Uh, and yet, though we are, uh, in that sense, independent churches, yet we are all joined together uh, in the church universal as joined to Christ, which of necessity then will have uh, a relationship with other churches. Uh, our own confession, as you've rightly said, Joe, uh, 1689 has in chapter 26, paragraph 14, as each church and all the members of it are bound to pray continually for the good and uh, prosperity of all the churches of Christ in all places and upon all occasions to further everyone within the bounds of their places and callings in the exercise of their gifts and graces, so the churches, when planted by the providence of God, 
uh, so as they may enjoy opportunity and advantage for it, ought to hold communion among themselves for their peace, increase of love, and mutual edification. And then the next paragraph, and I won't read it, but simply to sum it up, it speaks of churches giving real help to one another where there are issues to be addressed. And the framers made it clear, not that they have authority over each other. So you've got this kind of council coming together, but they don't have authority over the other churches. Nonetheless, they can truly assist uh, in, in various ways. And, and brother, you've already pointed out, now you come to the New Testament and, and you see this, uh, the cooperation between the churches. Uh, Acts 15, sometimes called the Jerusalem Council. Well, you've got really just two churches represented there, uh, but there was a problem with the church in Antioch because of some guys who had come up from Judea, but there's clear connection between these two churches as they go in Acts 15 to have the meeting. And then the letter is sent out to the churches, plural, in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Or when we come to Acts 16, and, and you've got Timothy, and he's in one church, but uh, the brethren elsewhere, well, they spoke highly of him. So between Lystra and Iconium, th those churches, there was some clear connection uh, going on. Of course, you've got uh, also the word of greetings in churches. That, to me, is, is very important. Uh, when Paul writes to the church in Rome, in Romans uh, 16, he, he says, now greet Aquila and Priscilla and the church that meets in their house. Well, that church was evidently in close proximity to Rome, but distinct from that church. And yet there's a, a close enough connection. So he said, well, hey, you guys, you'll see them, uh, send them greetings. Or then later in that very chapter, Romans 16, 16, you know, he talks about the churches of Christ greet you. So uh, there's this caring for one another. It's not just to uh, say hi to them, but it's expressing of love and care. Uh, you already said, uh, Joe, how the letters were shared. You see this Colossians uh, talks about sharing that letter with uh, the Laodiceans and so forth. You've got in 2 Corinthians 8, in that context where it's talking about giving materially, it's very interesting. You've got these guys who are called the messengers of the churches. They were recognized by the churches as a whole. Uh, and then that church has talked about, uh, I mean, uh, I should say it's addressed as, you know, show yourself doing right before the churches. Mm -hmm. So there was this real cooperation yes. uh, going on. So going back to your question, Austin, uh, is it important and why? Well, it's very, very important, especially because it's biblical, uh, but also for the benefit that it brings to churches. And I say this not just with reference to small churches, but even larger churches, for them to have ties, not only to help the smaller, but to be helped by them. So uh, I would pass that back to you, Joe, or to Austin. No, I think uh, I have no more to say on that particular question. Thank you, Brother Lee. Well, you brothers have already showed us the importance and significance of churches having good ties with one another, and I think you've done that well. Um, but let's say a church wants to have more ties with another congregation and they want to uh, cooperate in some of these ways, as you brothers have, have mentioned. So how can a church begin to establish ties with other churches? 
Well, um, this is sometimes done by churches joining uh, regional or national associations. Uh, our, our church is part of a uh, regional association. Um, it doesn't have to be done. Uh, I'm not aware of, of scripture. Someone could show me if I'm wrong, but I'm not aware of scripture either forbidding or commanding such associations. But uh, I do believe care must be taken that any such association does not usurp any authority which belongs to the individual local church. And sometimes that may be a hidden danger in associations and conventions. Uh, it's not essential to be a part of a formal association though, in order to establish ties with other churches. Uh, how, how can a church do it? Well, find, find out where other churches of like faith and order are in close proximity to your location. Uh, do the research, do the research needed to determine what true churches of like faith and order are close enough to establish some ties and cooperation with. Now, uh, of course, while we need not hesitate to establish gospel relationships and gospel ties and fellowship with any other true gospel church, still it's only natural and desirable that we establish our closest ties and connections with those churches with whom we are in most agreement. I mean, I may be able to uh, fellowship with any other, with many other churches in Owensboro, Kentucky, who, uh, who I'm convinced believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, but perhaps they're, so I can fellowship with them and have ties with them up to a point, but perhaps they're not reformed. Uh, naturally I'm going to have closer ties and our church is going to have closer ties. The more we are in agreement with uh, other churches. Um, but the church needs to know who it's, uh, who's nearby, who it can fellowship with and it needs not only to know who it can fellowship with, but you also need to reach out in an effort, probably usually led by the pastors of the congregation we need to reach out to other churches in order to uh, seek to establish those uh, close ties. Uh, invite them to any special meetings uh, that, that you may be having. Uh, hold pastoral fellowships or find kingdom, common kingdom causes in which you can cooperate with them. Uh, but Lee, I'm gonna throw this to you. How can a church establish ties with other churches? Well, I would uh, uh, say you're quite right in, in referring to the pastors because it's going to fall especially on their shoulders for a couple of reasons. One is they're to take the lead uh, in the church, but then also they're apt to have more opportunity for interacting with other pastors, other uh, churches in that sense, you know, by meeting and communicating uh, with other churches, developing friendships conferences where there are like-minded brethren. For instance, let me give a plug uh, for the spring conference hosted by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, mm -hmm. a place like that where you're going to meet like-minded pastors. Uh, also, let me give another plug, Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. They have their modules as you know, the, the classes that are being taught, you know, coming together for uh, a number of days and, and receiving instruction. Uh, I know over the years, 
that that attending modules and conferences, uh, just the ties that I have, but then also the ties that our church has uh, resulting from that networking, uh, but especially email or, or even better, phone. And, and I think the idea of reaching out, like you said, Joe, for pastors to take the initiative. Uh, there are other things that, that can be done then in that connection, pastor fraternal, or you've already said, Joe, in some cases, uh, an association uh, where there is a real associating with like-minded mm-hmm. brethren. And even if one is not feeling, you know, so great need personally for this, or well, I'm so busy, I've got so much going on, yet I still think it needs to be a priority, because as we've already seen, it's biblical, this kind of connection, as well as beneficial, it's biblical. And because it's vital for the church's well-being, as well as for the pastor's well-being, then to do what we can to establish those, because you don't want to be like Elijah, and I alone am left. Now, I've talked mainly about pastors, but, you know, pastors can also encourage attendance at conferences at like-minded churches. Uh, the old Southeastern Reformed Baptist Family Conference, we had people coming from all kinds of places for that, and many friendships and ties were established, not just between pastors, but between the churches. Uh, yeah. Just this past weekend, uh, Trinity Reformed Baptist in Roanoke, they hosted their men's conference. Well, there were a number of of uh, churches represented there. And again, it strengthens uh, the ties. Uh, Montville, uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Montville, they, in a couple of weeks' time, have their ladies' conference, and a few churches will have young adult conferences. Well, this is good for the individuals, but it's also good for the churches that are represented. And, And so I would throw that in as far as establishing ties with other churches, uh, all of these are, are are ways, and I'm sure there are others. But it, it's going to begin with a commitment to doing so, a desire and a commitment. Yeah. So, hmm. Austin, I throw that back to you, brother. Well, we've spoken of the importance of having ties between churches and how you can establish ties between churches as a church. But for our last question in this conversation, at least, how can a church maintain strong ties with one another? Well, perhaps we've we've already answered this. Uh, we just need to make sure uh, we continue to create opportunities for fellowship, uh, especially when the distance is reasonable for other people to attend uh, special meetings, fraternals, conferences. Every every Reformation Day, or at least sometime around the Reformation Day, we we have a conference. Uh, our local uh, or regional association has a Reformation Day conference where we will meet on the Saturday. We'll have uh, we'll take one of the five solas this past year was Sola Fide, and uh, we'll have two sermons in the morning and then a sermon or lecture in the afternoon. And of course, there's uh, time for uh, fellowship at lunch. And um, <clears throat> it's it's great to be able to meet other brothers, other fellow pastors, and also for church members to be able to meet one another and, and, uh, and maintain a fellowship. Personally, if I can say, I, most of the uh, uh, Reformed churches, Baptist churches that I know of, I believe do an excellent job of uh, seeking to, to uh, build and maintain strong ties with other churches. 
Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, I think it's a good thing actually for pastors to maybe switch pulpits uh, if distance does not prevent from time to time. Like one pastor from one church go and preach in another brother's church while the other brother comes to his church. I will just say this, like, like uh, our brother Lee just said, it takes commitment. And if there is commitment, if we really desire to maintain strong ties, we can find ways to do it. Lee, you have any additional thoughts on that? Well, I would say a hearty amen to what you said, and especially on, on pulpit swaps, uh, they can be a real aid. I know in our region here, uh, we have a number of churches, North Carolina, Virginia, and we seem to be the sole representatives of West Virginia at the present. But, but by doing pulpit swaps uh, over the years, uh, it not only gives the pastor a break, but it lets the people get to know the pastors and the pastors to get to know these, these churches. So uh, I, I think that is, is vital. Uh, and, and the idea of maintaining uh, it's those things, as you've already said, Joe, that we already talked about, but keeping it as a priority and keeping the conscience bound and sensitive. Uh, looking again at 26, 14, and 15 uh, of our confession. Uh, well, look, they didn't put that in there just off the top of their head. Uh, yeah. These men saw this in Scripture. And, and believing it's biblical, then conscience should be bound. And there's mm. one way especially that we've not talked about in this episode, though we've mentioned it in the past, and that is by praying for other churches in corporate prayer. Uh, in the pastoral prayer, of course, on the Lord's Day, uh, I know you dear brothers do that in Owensboro as we do here, and then also you folks do it as do we, praying for other churches in prayer meeting. We don't get as many, quote, prayer letters as, as we used to, but still there's interaction, there's contact with other churches, and so when there are conferences going on or just focusing on a, a few churches, and usually there'll be some word of communication there uh, that we're able to relate. And I know that over the years, our, our members really do know other churches, though they've never been to them or perhaps never even met anybody from those churches. Yet there's a real tie and uh, it gives a real uh, a sense of belonging to one another because by prayer, well, we're really serving one another. And, and I have found that to be so helpful by way of just establishing and maintaining the ties uh, between the churches. So, Austin, I would throw that back to you, brother. Well, in this first conversation related to uh, there being ties between churches, we've covered the importance of having uh, fellowship between churches. We've talked about ways that uh, churches can establish ties with other churches, and we've now talked about how church uh, can maintain strong ties with other churches. If this conversation has provoked any thoughts that you might have or any questions that you want to send to our uh, interviewees, our co-hosts on this show, you can submit your questions to pastorsinbox at cbtseminary.org. And we thank you for your willingness to continue to support this show and listen. And until our next episode, we wish you grace and peace.